am. I'm supposed to be a better nerd than this. What the hell is wrong with me today? Fucking Mercury Retrograde, man. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, guys and girls, people of all sizes, and welcome to Pod Thing. I'm Corey. I'm Antonio. Oh, so uh, welcome to our Halloween special. Happy Halloween to uh, all of my my spiritual friends out there. Uh, fun fact for this Halloween, we are going to be having a very rare Blue Hunter's Moon on the 31st. Uh, Hunter's Moon usually comes around as the first full moon of the month, uh, and the Blue Moon is two full moons in one month. So since it's the 31st of October, it is going to be a full moon straight into the cusp of November 1st. Uh, so we're going to get both. So uh, if you get a chance and the skies are clear enough, please go out there and enjoy it while the veil between our realm and the spiritual realm is thinner. Uh, don't go nuts. Don't call your ex. Uh, don't drive drunk. Yeah, be safe, but enjoy the literal once in a blue moon experience. Practice social distancing. I highly recommend, don't recommend, legal disclaimer, uh, you know, using using creative methods to pass out candy to children, you know, Consider making a shoot out of uh, toilet paper rolls or gift wrapping rolls or, you know, slingshots that you load with possibly jawbreakers. I don't know. Make them literal jawbreakers. Don't do that. No, we don't advocate violence on this show. Well, we don't. We can advocate it, but we don't condone it. We, we can satirize violence on the show, but we are not liable or legally responsible for the stupidity that you decide you want to partake in on a particular Halloween night. There's our disclaimer. We're good, right? That covers us. I uh, hope so. I am not an attorney <laughs> yet, uh, so uh, I have no idea. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Happy Halloween to y'all who listen, and let's start off talking about something here because I actually there's some tech news that crosses over with legal news, and I think it's perfect because the government is suing Google as a monopoly on search as a search engine monopoly yeah I, I heard about that i searched that on google and then i decided i was going to write something about that on google docs and share that with my friends over my google email account um but yeah absolutely totally monopoly um but all jokes aside i mean there's there is some credit to that uh you know google you know for for what they've done they have really wanted the information market um for instance during the 2016 election uh, not to get political, this is not a political commentary in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but if you tried to type in uh, Hillary Clinton, I N, uh, it would basically take you to on Google. It would take you to Hillary Clinton in Somalia, Hillary Clinton in Washington D.C., Hillary Clinton in insert location here. Uh, and if you went to Bing and you typed in Hillary Clinton I N, it would say you know Hillary Clinton indictment uh, because that was a current event of the day uh, that was going on. So no, again. Not a political commentary in any way, shape, or form. I don't care which side you lead on, whether it's red, blue, purple, green, pink, yellow, don't care. Um, but that's just a, an idea as to the, the purpose behind it. They have they have indeed cornered the information market. They've bought out. I mean, if you recall, Corey, do you, do you remember Dogpile, Ask Jeeves, all these different, the, the plethora of search engines? Yeah, I remember had using Ask. Oh, absolutely. I remember using Ask. I remember Yahoo. Hell, I remember, and this is going to take you back, Yahooligans. Oh yeah, and then you after know. a while, a lot of them started getting the uh, the little logo. It's you know, Mama.com was another one. That's one that I used a lot. Um, and it you know, after a while, it was 
you know, Dogpile powered by Google, Mama.com powered by Google. And, you know, and granted, there was a scramble. You know, a lot of the big tech tried to do that. Yahoo did the same thing. Yahoo tried yeah. to buy it a bunch of different groups. Um, Google just ended up winning that. But they do own 90% of the information market. Um, and so I, I don't want to say it's a cause for concern, but when you're only getting your information from one source or one source acts as the gatekeeper, there is an argument to be made. Uh, as to you know who controls what it is that you're actually getting or what algorithm controls what you're getting and that's that's absolutely true and i mean the other way you got to look at it too is while they have the information market cornered and how you look for information with using google you're using google on your android phone which who uses are there even windows phones anymore is there any other device other than an iphone on an android with all of these manufacturers who have signed these deals to to google to exclusively use their software and they're searching on their phones. I mean, I don't think so, honestly. Um, and even you know, Apple, and it's, it's what's the too. default search engine on an on an iPhone? It's Google. Uh, yeah, absolutely, it is. You know, and of course, it's it's funny because of course the third parties. Uh, I can't say oh, it's not really third parties because they are AAA companies. But you know, everybody keeps trying to keep up. Uh, I mean, hell, even like Mozilla Firefox uses Google as its you know as its its code base for you know its searches and whatnot. Um, yep. You know, and Microsoft tries. I mean, I, I like Bing. I find that there, you know, some things I will get on Bing over Google. Like, for instance, I find, and this is just me personally, uh, for images, I'll take Bing any day. I, I think that it's it's a, you know, instead of, you don't get the image, you know, the, the image option, just click images. But like, if you type in whatever you're looking for images, then that's exactly what it gives you. And I find that I get a better variety on Bing than I do for Google specifically on that front. You know, but that's just me. But then again, like I said, you know, Google... If they want to, if people haven't paid enough or if they haven't paid at all, you find that a lot of their stuff, you know, advertisements, companies, their stuff gets moved to second, third page, fourth page. And I mean, who the hell even goes to second page at this point? I don't even know if I've, I, I mean, okay, so I actually do go to second page of Google, but I'm usually Google Googling for something very specific when I do. Fair enough. It's usually work related and it's usually an image search second page. But, you know, it is what it is. But it, it's it's just that, though. It's You don't really have those options anymore. They're, they're going to court on the 30th for a status, uh, sorry, the status hearing. I think, though, that, you know, one of the other issues that we deal with, too, is like Google, Google unnecessarily attempted and has attempted or, and has succeeded, honestly, in, in buying certain things, certain properties. And it ended up being for the worse. Uh, and, and for instance, like most people's go to for music nowadays is Spotify. You know, Pandora is the, the old guard of music. But. I uh I found an app. Oh, let me rephrase. My friends informed me about an app, a little known one, years ago called Songza, and Songza was amazing. I loved everything about that app. I basically ditched Pandora. I wasn't getting ads, and if I was, they were very very scarce. You know, and I, I, I basically ditched just about everything, uh, and listened to Songza exclusively. And then uh, Google bought out Songza, and it basically, and it gave you notification about a month, uh, a month before, and they're like, "Oh, well, you know, songs will become Google Play." And so, by force of update, you know, I ended up having Google Play. And so I'm like, "Fuck it, let me get a try on this and see how it goes." And you know what? Honestly, it was atrocious. Google Play is garbage. I, I think it's it's one of the worst music apps out there. Period. And, and it hasn't gotten any better. Uh, and it took away a lot of the character of what Songza was and and that really sucked because then I had to get boxed back into a corner of like, oh great, I'm back on Pandora. So, not knocking Pandora for what it is. I like it, but it's not the same. So I'm actually kind of the opposite of you on that because I actually really liked Google Play Music for the needs I had because it integrated well with everything else I used at the time. Um, 
and it was great for podcasts. I loved using it for podcasts. It had the podcast I wanted on it, so I used it actually up until recently when they killed it, and it's now YouTube music. Yeah, I think the problem, well, for me at least, my my issue is that, um, not that I like elite, I'm not like some kind of musical elitist, I don't, you know, but I, I do like niche music, I like underground music, I like stuff that falls within the parameters of a, of, of normal genres, but unheard of artists. And songs I had a lot of really eclectic material on there, and I really just didn't like losing that, because Google Play just... You know, once I switched to Google Play, no matter what the genre was, no matter how specific you were getting, it was just all the mainstream shit. And I'm like, oh, fuck this again. Yeah, you know, it was a lot of mainstream. I ended up actually finding a really good playlist on Google Play that I transferred over to YouTube Music, and it was a Brazilian instrumental. Okay. It was unique, but it was good. So you could find things like that on it. But again, it's it's like that. It's just Googling it on a Google property. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, cer- certain things have been... <sighs> Certain quality of life things have absolutely been improved by Google, um, and so I and, and you know as, as much as I just sat there and just spoke to their detriment, you know there there are absolute benefits to what Google has done. Uh, Gmail has been invaluable to me, of course, through my life as a student and a professional. You know Google Docs. I mean, listen, uh, Word has become the standard. Microsoft Word is a word processor, but to download the Office suite on every computer you own is quite expensive, um, and you know you only get a limited amount of downloads, even if you can prove you're the registered owner. And, and so that gets a little annoying. So the fact that they threw Google Docs, and this is just one of the many things that they, that they have done that's really good, um, you know, but through Google Docs, you know, I have a word processor that's comparable with Word that not only is it comparable, but the formatting is almost an identical. And I can take whatever I have on Google Docs and I can copy the format into Word and it takes it perfectly, um, you know. And so, you know, that's been an invaluable resource to me. Uh, I, you know, the ability to share and edit with my friends and, and work on documents, personal statements, different kinds of professional and, and scholastic things. Um, so, you know, not, and I'm not knocking them in, in their entirety. I like, I like aspects of what they do. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean that plus the, the overarching issue that we have with the big four in general, which is the metadata issue. Um, but that's, that, and that's always a cause for concern. I don't give a fuck what brand or what flag you're flying. Uh, in, in regards to your, your tech company, like the metadata thing is, is an issue for me um, and for a lot of people. No, it's, yeah, no, that is an issue. No, I say, I agree completely with you. The metadata is, being, is a huge issue. I mean, the, the data that they collect, what they use it for, it's it's kind of scary when you think about what they collect and it's funny, but, but it's funny to me how easily people fall into this trap um, where, you know, you'll see that Facebook post of name your favorite things and people will post all of these things about them when all of that's now being collected as metadata on you and can be used. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I try not to answer those questions anyways. And I mean, maybe it's just me being paranoid, but I mean, at the same time too, like, I mean, and most most of my social media accounts, actually all of my social media accounts are private. So it doesn't make a difference anyways, because unless it's something that was made public or I used a hashtag or something, you know, no one's going to see what I've put up anyways. But, um, you know, but again, why, why give them that ammunition? I think too, I think people, a lot of people, put way too much stuff on social media as it is. Um, and we have this grand misconception uh, that, you know, everything's limited. It's all secure. It's all this, it's all that. And it's not, none of it is, you know, at least not, not to the extent that we think it is. Well, no, the NSA proves that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure they're listening to this right now. I'm sure. Even though oh, we have, you know, at, the, at, at this point in time, it hasn't even gone live yet, you know, cause we're recording, but yeah, for sure. But they're um, probably still listening to this. You know exactly how it is, but that's, we're, we're not a conspiracy theory podcast. Right. Well, I mean, who knows? You know, I mean, Mercury's in retrograde, so it might totally be uh, a tech issue. You know, so thank thanks for that planetary alignment. 
Uh, I don't know. Look at on NASA. You know, they are landing on asteroids. They are indeed landing on asteroids. Uh, you know, but that is uh, that is definitely going to be part of our, uh, our our later conversation. As fun as that's going to be, um, yes. But still in tech news, uh, you know, so Nintendo came out recently. I saw an article, and and I, I will absolutely check to confirm uh, as we sit here and do this. But uh, Nintendo has lowered the price of their Joy Cons, or they are planning on it, um, due to the fact that you know there's so much. Uh, there's so much demand in purchasing uh, Joy-Cons, even though, mind you, Joy-Con drift is not a thing as, as far as the official Nintendo uh, perspective and position is on it. But yeah, Joy-Cons have, uh, Joy-Cons have dropped in price from what I'm seeing here. Uh, I'm seeing them for as low as 40 bucks on Walmart. Uh, those might be third party. I'm not entirely sure. But I'm also seeing them for seventy bucks on Walmart, which is a ten dollar drop from their eighty dollar price tag. Uh, but mind you, Joy Con drift isn't a thing. You know, they 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 totally came out with a warranty where if you send your Joy Cons, they'll fix them. But Joy Con drift isn't a thing, apparently. Uh, and so they're lowering the price because the demand is up. I wonder why. Even though Joy Con drift isn't a thing. Uh, so there's that. I mean, you know, rather than no. stand by the Joy Con drift doesn't it. exist. Yeah, no, no, of course. Drift you know, doesn't I, exist, but it doesn't exist. But I've got four Joy Cons right now that are drifting. You know what it is, though. I think I think Joy Con drift doesn't exist as the equivalent of the Soviet Union during Chernobyl coming out and saying no, a nuclear meltdown is not possible in the Soviet Union. Okay, sure, why not? Like, right. yeah, absolutely. You just 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 keep on repeating it. That totally makes it true. Well, hey, you know, at least if you're t- if only one of your Joy Cons drift, you can buy a single Joy Con. So. Maybe that's how they're going to solve the problem is just say, throw money at us because we're getting overwhelmed at our repair center because they offered to free Drifty Joy-Cons for free if you sent them in. Mind you, if you only have a single set of Joy-Cons, you're better off buying a Pro Controller for the time being or buying another set anyway. But yes, within a certain period of it, you can send them in for free to Nintendo to repair the Joy-Cons. You know, they, they, they might actually consider a more sustainable model, which would be... Just make better fucking Joy-Cons. It's their sticks. Well, there are those rumors that there's a new Switch model coming still, so maybe they're going to make better sticks. Maybe they'll put the sticks from the Pro Controller in the in the new Switch Joy-Cons. I mean, they can put the sticks from the Nintendo 64 in those things. I don't give a shit as long as it works. I mean, I wouldn't want an N64 stick, dude. Those things wore out too much. Yeah, no. I, I Actually, what I would want is the GameCube replacement one, which I, I actually did that little that little bit of tech surgery on my N64 controller. I swapped it out with the GameCube, uh, the GameCube grade one, and it's excellent. Uh, so they oh, should absolutely. maybe consider doing that. Yeah, I might be doing that soon myself. Almost like GameCube's perfect or something. I don't know. Right. I mean, it's almost like, yeah. We've talked a lot about the GameCube in the past, though. So let's. Oh, we, God, we, yes. we, we probably shouldn't bore everybody again with that. No, that's a rabbit hole. Yeah. You know what else is a rabbit hole? And I didn't write this down on our, on our script that the Xbox 360 Uh-oh. is 15 years old. Oof, and mine still works, and I'm still using it to watch Netflix. 15 And watch DVDs. Like, I saw that oh. the other day, and I was like, wow. Fun bit of tech news. Uh, an undisclosed friend of mine actually works at a customer support center for a media company. Uh, and this, is, has, this has nothing to do with the media company at all. This person is just trying to access the media company streaming service on his computer. Okay. <laughs> he, he called in talking about how uh, how wonderful his granddaughter was for buying him a computer that had a cup holder. Think about that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, I mean, who really yeah. uses a CD drive anymore? Let's be honest. If it's not on a USB, hey. do we use it? I do. 
how else am I going to play my Skyrim anthology? Or my, I'm sorry, wow, point. holy crap. That's a massive nerf foul. My Elder Scrolls anthology. Wow. Oh my god, I sound like I mean, a casual. I mean, if you have it, that's a different story. But any more for at least new stuff, and maybe for someone his age, it's, you know, just not thought of. I mean, my current build, my my tower that I put together about a month ago, I have two CD drives on it. But that's, I mean, I'm, I don't want to say I'm nostalgic, but I, I do like the idea and the capability of being able to use like Lightscribe and play Bluetooth and play Bluetooth discs and watch DVDs. Because I mean, I do have a massive folder of DVDs, and there's no point in. I mean, listen, some of my movie collection isn't streaming. That's just a that's no, just a fact of the matter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I still have a massive collection of DVDs. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they still work. The movies are good. I mean, hell, you know, where else are you going to get Lord of the Rings Extended Edition? Riddle me that. Good point. Good point. You got me there. By the way, random fact, not part of the subject matter for our show at all, but that shit is like 20 years old, dude. And it's still I know. Up. Oh, yeah, no, it's fantastic. Like, I can talk as much as I do about it being a boring movie to me because, I mean, let's just be honest, it kind of can be boring at a lot of times, but it's great. I mean, it's a great representation of the literature work, and I respect that. I'm not a big fan of them, but the fact that it's 20 years old and they still hold up as well as they do, because I watch them still at least every couple of years, it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. They hold up well. Uh, the, the CGI in Return of the King with the uh, the dead army, like, that did not hold up well for shit, but everything else is pretty great, I gotta say. Yeah, no, Peter Jackson knows how to direct a movie. Oh, yeah, but I mean, it's kind of like watching an old Spielberg film or watching like, you know, like the, the old Star Wars and stuff like, you know, you can you can tell where it's a little rough around the edges, but it still holds up, you know, and it's great. I mean, oh, speaking of Star Wars, that I didn't add and it's still not on the rundown, but it reminded me. Did you see that they've um, started getting together for the Obi-Wan series on Disney Plus? Yes, I, I, I did hear about that. I don't have Disney Plus yet, uh, so I haven't. And I, I'm sure it's a sin as a Star Wars fan. I haven't watched Mandalorian um, at all. Um, but yes, uh, I'm, I'm aware that they are doing the Obi-Wan thing. I am excited that Ian McGregor is reprising his role as Obi-Wan. I think he's fantastic. Uh, and I do look forward to seeing that. That's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm really interested to see how it works since it's going to definitely, it takes place, you know, between the prequel and original trilogy. So I like the fact that you'll get to see old man Obi-Wan a little bit. I hope they throw in a little bit of expanded universe in there. You know, that, that would be interesting. I would, I, I think that'd be great. Wouldn't it though? Oh, I mean, uh, again, I'm just happy. You know, he was talking about in an interview with him. He was saying that he was happy to be, and it was his costume, his original costume and lightsaber from episode one, you know, but while we're on the topic of star wars, let's just talk about stars. You know, you mentioned the blue hunters moon, but there is actually quite a bit of space news that happened between episodes. It's true. There is. I mean, we've, like I had previously alluded to, we landed on an asteroid. We found water on the moon, which sounds like a Doctor Who story. And oh yeah, there's some Starlink news. So I, I actually have some interesting stuff about the water on the moon, but go ahead and talk about the asteroid first. So we landed on an asteroid, yes. The OSIRIS-REx spacecraft landed on the asteroid Bennu. It's expected to come back here to Earth, I believe it was 2021, 2022, with collected samples and i think it was only there for like 30 it like it literally just grabbed it kicked up a bunch of particles by fire and nitrogen at it basically sucked it in and let go and kind of flew off but what's cool is that they pulled this off in complete zero g because there's no you know usually when we're docking something in space there's something to look up to there's someone on the other side that can make sure and you're not trying to grab you know you're moving at the same speed with this, they're orbiting it to make a touch onto it with no gravity to help it make this landing. 
And that's just really cool. That's absolutely quite the feat. Uh, the article I read said that they actually filled up their container. So like it, they actually got more than enough uh, for what it is that they needed. Um, yes, they were yeah, talking really... that they were afraid that they didn't. So they would have had to make another landing. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's really impressive, honestly. And I, I think it's, uh, I mean, it's, just, it's an exciting time for space stuff. Uh, it's an exciting time for technology in general. It um, is. And you know, let me get a real quick um, correction. It's going to be 2023 that it comes back. Why doesn't it just run the asteroid back? I mean, it would probably take longer. Probably. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so interesting thing about the water on the moon. So uh, the water on the moon, I mean, w again, while it's very, very cool, uh, and I'm all about it, uh, and you know, I can't, yeah, I'm all about discoveries, right, and facts, um, it, it raises a couple of concerns. And again, I know we're not, we're not political, so I'm going to try and stay as objective as possible without getting into a political diatribe. We can cover that in depth charge if you'd like. Uh, but the water on the moon thing is interesting because recently NASA uh, petitioned the countries of the, well, I can't say the countries, it's several countries in the world, uh, about something called the Artemis Accords, in which it has to do more with setting up, uh, you know, travel to Mars, which again, you know, logically, scientifically speaking, uh, the moon is a much better launching point to get to Mars than Earth uh, for obvious logistical reasons involving gravity and fuel and everything else. Um, but they're talking about setting up some kind of sustainable structures on the moon uh, that also include mining. They're they're talking about it being rooted in, you know, our space treaties from 1967. But the word on the street and the street being the Internet is uh, there's a there's there's probably more than a little pushback from Russia on this one. And China is not OK with this or on board at all. Um and we do have legislation in place uh, that that kind of prohibits these kinds of things, um, you know, for mostly about militarizing space. But again, we're talking about putting sustainable structures on on the celestial body. My concern with the mining, and and I would definitely have to inquire to somebody much more qualified than I am in these matters. The structure of the moon being the way that it is, uh, you know, it is a large celestial body. It, it you know it it has to do with our tides. It has to do with a lot of other things. Um, you know, and it is, it is moving a little further away from the earth. Not that, that really comes into play, but uh, it, you know, at a, at a minuscule pace, it is moving further away from the earth. Uh, and I'm concerned that, you know, depending on the amount of mining that we do or the, you know, the extremity of those things that it might kind of throw certain things off. You know, we, we don't know what's going to happen. when We start digging into the cores of celestial bodies that, you know, surround our planet, especially at such a close proximity that have, you know, an effect on things like our tides. Uh, and again, maybe this is this is probably more sci-fi concern than just about anything else. Um, so I'm sure I've got plenty of people laughing at me right now, and I'm sure we'll hear plenty about it. But uh, I mean, I don't know. These are just concerns that I would have personally, especially when we're talking about we have issues about security as it is. And, you know, who knows what, what would be getting put up there? I mean, not everything is publicized. I mean, listen, you know, this sounds crazy, but we still don't know what the moon is made of. All right. Because last I heard in some books with pictures and pop out tubs, it might be made of cheese. So, uh, and I, I'm not, I'm, I swear to God, I'm not wearing my armadillo helmet right now. I've put that away for the, for the week. Yeah, what if, there we go. I mean, okay, so if the now moon was made of cheese, we would have gone back, but. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, if the moon, if the moon was made of cheese, we would have, uh, we would have sent Anthony Bourdain up. Oh, damn it. I can't. Fuck, 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 fuck. I can't use that. Shit. Uh, <laughs> Gordon Ramsay. Damn it. Yeah, it was, it's gotta be Gordon Ramsay. I can't say Anthony Bourdain. Shit. Oh man. I missed that guy. He was amazing. I do too. Um, they tried to do his show with Gordon on National Geographic, and it's just not the same. It's, his, it's the same kind of style of what him and Andrew Zimmern did, but with Gordon. Oh Ramsey. man, it's interesting. 
Yeah, but if the moon was made of cheese, they would have sent Gordon Ramsay up there a long time ago with some lobsters, and he would have come back, come back with some bomb-ass mac. Sounds really good anyway. You know, but just things to consider. Uh, again, it would be a very cool thing. Uh, I would have to look to see what happens as it develops, but my larger concern, uh, more so than some kind of far-flung bullshit theory about what it's going to do to the moon, um, is honestly more about the geopolitical situation that it would cause here. Uh, again, not getting political, not going to talk about perspectives or, or who's what, but like, I, it's going to cause some conflicts because I believe, and let me double check on this. Part of it would have to do with some kind, uh, at least rather, let me rephrase. I, I saw something small about having it to do with combat training on the moon. So I don't know who it is we think we're fighting. Possibly countries that are not on board. Russia, with isn't it? Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, or or a space force China incident where they're just stabbing their they're 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 stabbing the enclosures with uh, scissors. Well, I think the only two countries that didn't sign that agreement was Russia and China. Uh, wh- which one? The 1967 treaty or the Artemis Accords? I believe it was the Artemis Accords. If I remember. If I remember, because I was reading something about that right around the time that we had talked about the water, um, and I think China and Russia are the only two countries that didn't sign it, but I could be mis- misspeaking. Well, on the NASA website, uh, it definitely has some Russian cosmonauts uh, there uh, talking about how it is an international endeavor. Although, funny enough, I have to be a nerd for this one right now. Uh, if you go on the NASA website and you type in, or you Google Artemis Accords and pull up the picture, uh, if you're a Trekkie, you might find this funny, but they totally ripped off those flight suits from Enterprise. And that is hilarious to me. And now I want one. I mean, yeah, that'd be... <laughs> that's funny. I've actually pulled it up and... Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, so Dude, it's almost countries. identical to the Enterprise. So you have Australia, Canada, Italy, the US, Japan, um, Luxembourg, UAE, and the UK. The two signed it. Well, I guess, I guess Russia and China are not on board. Again, you know, it's a... We're, we're not going to get too in depth on it but again you know it's thing, things to look for people things to look for so speaking of things to look for let's talk about starlink for a moment because starlink's finally opening up their public beta yes and they've I'm announced pricing. so it's 500 dollars down and a hundred dollars a month hundred dollars a month uh i mean what what i get cost less i think it's cool but for right now it's a it's, bit of a novelty yeah it is super cool but yeah it is expensive you're talking about 99 dollars a month initially to use starlink service you'll also have to pay 500 dollars for a small satellite dish mounting tripod and rudder from the company although that also being said we have to keep in mind this is a beta test um you're and so see- i'm certain I'm, I'm certain as a beta test it's going to be a little more expensive here in, in the prototype stage um once things become a little more i don't say regulated but once things become a little more normalized uh, I think that we're going to have a drop in pricing for sure, uh, especially because remember what the purpose of Starlink was to begin with. It was to, pr- or at least the mission statement was to provide internet, uh, one, globally, uh, but two, to people in remote areas who otherwise wouldn't have it, including, you know, uh, developing countries, uh, things like that. And in order for those people to get Starlink, they aren't probably going to have the money required for that expensive equipment or the monthly subscription. Correct. And speaking of that, that's something else about Starlink that's come out is they've been actually giving away some free service. So they started with a remote tribe in northern area, I believe it was Washington, um, a remote tribe that was having some issues um, connecting with internet to get their children to learn virtually during the pandemic. So Starlink, they got Starlink for free for a year. And now they're extending that to 
a district in Odessa, Texas, um, to be the southernmost part of it right now that they're actually can operate on. And for one year, that everybody in that ISD is going to have free Starlink connections. I mean, That's it's really cool the idea again. of it. But. Well, I mean, at least, at least they're, they're sticking to their mission statement. Again, you know, Sp- SpaceX has done a pretty good job of delivering on, on what they've said so far. So moving on, moving on, let's talk about right. more tech news since Starlink's techie, right? Sure. iPhones were announced and released and I don't know. I'm I, I, I really just going to sit here and possibly just rag on Apple for a bit because now they have their MagSafe technology in the iPhones and I think it's stupid. So as a former Apple user and a proud Galaxy owner now, a proud guardian of the galaxy, if you would, uh, I'm going to chant the Apple fanboy mantra. Are we all ready? More of the same. More of the same. More of the same. But more expensive. Basically, you know, and I'm watching how Apple's designing the way the iPhone looks, and every time I look at the newest versions of the iPhone, it looks like it should just be an Android device. Uh, I mean, Android phones are sexy. I will say this, though. So I've actually done a very good job of keeping my my beloved Galaxy safe. Uh, And maybe it's a retrograde thing. Maybe I'm just a fucking idiot. But I dropped it on the sidewalk, and it broke. Well, the phone didn't break. The screen cracked. So I called my local tech dude who does my phone fixes and basically asked him what the screen repair cost would be for my Galaxy. He told me it was going to cost, with parts and labor, $330. Do you know how much it cost me to replace the screen on my iPhone before I switched over this lovely device? Like between 30 and 60 bucks, depending on the model. The most I've ever paid for a new screen with a screen protector was 90 bucks with an Apple. Apparently, you have a curved screen, though. I do, and it's all blended in with the frame, which means that yeah. the part alone is like $260, and then with his labor of having to take everything apart and install the new LED, it's going to be $330. And my jaw dropped, and I am so, so pissed. The unfortunate part with the is that curved, that those curves, because if you drop it and it hits the curve or something just right, it will crack. Like, I have my phone in an OtterBox, and my screen protector, I have a glass screen protector on my phone, and I've got hairline cracks all over it from kids dropping it, throwing it, you know. Yep, and I've got the case as well, and I also have a screen protector because, of course, my thought in purchasing a new phone, I'm like, well, if I'm going to spend almost a grand on a brand new phone, I might as well spend the extra 50 to $60 to protect it. Well, shit. So, here we are. And again, I still like it. Even with the cracked screen, I still like it better than my old iPhone. So that's so right, something. and it's a thing. So does that tell you something? <laughs> but like, so the biggest it, thing with this it, iPhone it is, you know, right? But you know, the thing with the iPhone every year is it is more. You get a few cosmetic refreshes to iOS. You get new camera technology. You get some new spiffy feature to make it better. And this time, you get a new ceramic shield, which can still break, just not as much as you would think. It's because it's a better, it's a, it's a more sturdy glass, more like Gorilla Glass. You know, you st- though you still have a charging point, they they add this MagSafe technology. So I just want to put this out there that Android devices have been wireless charging for years. Welcome to the club, Apple fanboys. Uh, yeah, even I I think either since the S10 or just or maybe the S9 even, um, they had not only was it remote charging, but you could or I'm sorry, not only was it wireless charging, but your phone also serves as a PowerPoint. So I can take the case off uh-huh. my phone turn on PowerShare, flip my phone on its screen, 
and then put another phone on the back of it, and oh my goodness, it charges up. It charges the other phone, rather. It does a power yep. share. Yep. And I've saved many a friend's phones with this feature. So, like, insane. Um, but again, you yep. know, my, my biggest gripe with Apple, and, uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm not going to shit all over iPhones. I think that the iPhone 3GS, for its time, was inspired, uh, and it lasted forever. I'm the kind of guy who has devices look, look, and look. hangs on for years. I had my app. I had Absolutely. my iPhone 3GS for like three and a half years. I had my iPhone 4S for four years, and I had my iPhone 6 for six years. So, what they make is fine. My problem is the lack of ingenuity and innovativeness that comes with Apple products. Is that it's all so uniform, and while it's good in some aspects, it really sucks in others. There's no customization. There's no soul. It's just this cookie cutter product and you can tell there's no you know i had a friend ask me the other day because she's a hardcore android windows user and she felt like she was betraying the tribe by getting an ipad because she felt it was something that she would use well for writing um and she asked me you know what what is it like is an ipad worth getting i'm like it's just a big iphone because it is there's no difference it the, between the ipad the iphone and the old ipod touch there's absolutely no difference in the interface whatsoever no, now iPads are great for things like that, like drawing and writing. I will say that the iPhone 4 and 4S are some of the sexiest phones I have ever had the pleasure of seeing. I never used one. I didn't own one, but they were beautiful. Oh, yeah. They were the first ones to have the front facing camera, too. It was, that was, that was, you know, with the FaceTime, that was pretty innovative for the time. But again, Apple, Apple has lost that sense of innovation. It doesn't, it doesn't come around like it used to, you know? And again, it's, they, they did what they did, Steve Jobs, all that other stuff. Great, great innovators. And I really appreciate everything Apple's done for the community and for technology. But like, God damn, get on your game, dude. Like, it's the same shit. Like, it hasn't changed at all. The last well, cosmetic is- change that I've seen in an update for the interface was iPhone 6. And we're on iPhone, what, 12 plus, you know, plus times yeah, pro, on- whatever the fuck. Like, well, I mean, Christ. Apple under Steve Jobs was innovative and used things all the time. Apple under Tim Cook, not so much. They're also recycling ideas for this. The whole MagSafe thing, it's nice, it's cool, it's, hey, my phone magnetically locks. You know where that was introduced? The fucking MacBooks. Oh, yeah. Apple is and that's another, not only known for innovation, yeah, but now they're known for recycling their older ideas. It's great if you have an Apple ecosystem to recycle old ideas because things will work with each other. But it's not innovation. It's It's just, hey, let's put this here and catch up oh, to yeah. the competition. I mean, Samsung still makes their damn screens. Well, on top of that, too, just to touch on the MacBooks real quick, MacBooks are some of the most fragile computers I've ever seen in my life. Uh, yes. I, I used to do video editing, and they're superb for things like that, and I really appreciate what they do with that. But one, the internal memory has always been shit. Always. And and that makes no sense to me. When I can buy a, when I can buy any Lenovo or Samsung or Toshiba or, or any other kind of laptop that runs Windows, I get a massive amount of internal memory. And it's insane that, and I'm exaggerating here for this next comment, by the way, so nobody jump down my throat on this, um, you know, but it's insane to me that like MacBooks have like, oh, great, you get like 30 gigs. I'm like, 30 gigs, that's it? Like, that's that's my internal memory, 30 gigs? And, uh, you know, or I mean, hell, I remember in the late 2000s, just before 2010, the average was literally three gigs. You got three gigs of internal memory on a MacBook. And I'm like, Why? That makes no sense whatsoever. I can't, I have to have an external just to do my video editing because the files are too big to hold internally. That's absolutely insane to me. Um, <clears throat> they're also fragile as shit. I had a, I had a friend of mine um, who had a MacBook through school and 
granted, this is a newbie mistake in general. You should never put anything inside of your laptop or use it as a folder. So don't. But, um, you know, they they literally put uh, a piece of paper that they stapled and they closed it in there so that it wouldn't get damaged. And the entire screen just took a shit. And it wasn't like a lined screen. There was some kind something that has to do with the construction of the Apple screens. It killed the entire screen. And they were losing their mind because they were on like a six-day wait period to get their laptops so that they could do work with their, their graduate school program. Welcome to Apple. But I mean, that could happen on any laptop. That's not just an isolated thing to Apple. And let's be honest, that could happen to any, any laptop depending on the build quality. It absolutely can. But, but like, yeah. I mean, we're talking about a one-time, we're talking about a one-time slip-up. Normally, I mean, hell, at least on the laptops that I've, I've owned, you know, you'll at least get some striping or a crack or something. But like, I mean, for, for Christ's sake, like for the whole thing, you just take a crap because you did it one time? Insane. That's Apple. I mean, it's, it go. is. It's the quality of Apple. And I mean, you can see it certain generations of the MacBook. I've seen teardown videos. I, Truth be told, I watch a lot of tech YouTube. I watch a lot of teardowns. I like to see what's inside of the things I'm buying. I still think the fact that liquid metal is cooling the PS5 is just fucking fantastic. That's that's the shit I nerd out over a lot of the times. But Apple is really known for uniform and unibody kind of design. So the entire screen piece up there, if one spot breaks, it shorts it all out. And it's you have to replace so much behind it. Um, even with their way their airflow is done, everything. If something breaks on a MacBook, it's expensive to fix because of the amount of labor that they have to put in because of the way they design it. It's also why the older generation MacBooks overheated a lot. Oh, didn't know that. I mean, Apple at one point, I think, experimented with a fanless design on their laptops and decided against it. But now the way it works is, I guess, the heat spreader's away from it, but it's just they can overheat, and that's, that's a problem with... Predominantly a problem I've always had with MacBooks that I've used is they will overheat and shut off. I haven't had that issue with almost any of my Windows-based laptops. But maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm asking too much out of it. Uh, I mean, heatsink design is really essential when it comes to a laptop. Um, for a while, I mean, Asus, I had a I had a really nice gaming laptop in like two, circa 2007. I think it was like the G1X or something like that. And it had a really weird heatsink that was like... um. The only way I can describe it is like a bridge, the way that it was shaped. Uh, it was like a like a, it was like some kind of weird bridge tunnel. Um, but basically, one of the issues that they had, and there was a recall on them at some point, uh, and it caused the entire motherboard to take a shit, um, was Oof. that there would be rapid heating and cooling in the heatsink because the passage was so long to get to the to to get to what would be the fan exhaust, and the middle of it would just crack. And then it would start when it would heat up again because it was cracked and, you know, the structural integrity was ruined. It would sit on top of the motherboard and it would start to melt into the motherboard because it wasn't dissipating the heat quickly enough. And so, again, like fan design is really integral and fan, well, the fan design and heat sink design are really integral for, for laptops because otherwise the whole thing will take a shit. I know, and that's, that's exactly right. I mean, and that's the thing. It's, it's integral mainly to laptops. You can kind of get heat control done on a tower a lot better, but... Moving. Well, you can vent the whole thing out. Well, yeah, or you can liquid cool it. You can't really liquid cool a laptop. So we got yeah, way off topic of our iPhone talk, but hey, that's... No, it's fine. We're still on tech talk. I mean, hey, there's other ways to cool laptops. You can pour water on them. Oh, yeah. I... If you pour water on a MacBook, I hear it actually makes it more useful. It makes for a super great paperweight. I mean, yeah. Actually, it's one of my favorite paperweights. I mean, I think that's what Apple would charge for a paperweight anyways is about $1,000, so why not? Jesus. You're Actually, you're right. An Apple's, a, a, a paperweight with the Apple logo would probably cost you about 400 bucks. You're absolutely right. Wow, wow, wee wee. And seeing as I've just said that, we have to talk about Borat. Oh, man, I'm so happy this is here. Is it very nice? Yes, I know we are 
for we are we are 14 years in the past now talking about fucking Borat once again. And this is this is again. Remember what I said about uh, in an earlier recording about everything's kind of coming around all over again. So like we're like we're kind of reliving the 80s, but now at the same time, like we're we're also reliving you know the early 2000s because Borat has become popular once again. And before we go any further, possible light spoiler warning, because we're going to talk for a second, because this was something that I actually watched. So it came out on a Friday, post-second debate, which it was actually up the night of the debate, and that's when I watched it. It kind of dates us, kind of doesn't, so we're going to leave that vague. But I watched it the night it came up, and I can't tell you how appropriate it was to watch immediately after a presidential debate. I watched it the day after, and it was fantastic. So I, mean, I don't even know what can we talk about as far as that's concerned without the spoilers. I mean, it's already up I mean, on like Amazon. I, said, I, I, hey, I tossed up a spoiler warning. If you guys haven't watched it by the time this comes up, because it comes up the week after, you've had seven days. Also, you know, with not not to not to give too many things away. Like, you know, maybe maybe somewhere in the description we'll put a, a timestamp so that way we'll be like, hey, spoiler alert. So if you haven't watched it and you don't want us to ruin this for you for the next fifteen ish, twenty ish minutes, like just skip ahead or stop listening right now. Uh, yeah, I, I never or, want to turn away a what, listener, I'll... but like, skip ahead, dude. Like, really, do do that. Name of the episode is the go watch Borat thing, and then you can listen to us. <laughs> Go watch Borat first thing. Right. Oh, man. Hey, we'll just help Amazon make money. Hey, speaking of monopolies. It's... Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's a whole other conversation about monopolies. But, but yeah. So we're uh, going to try and be as, as, as politically neutral as we can be here. But, guys, it's Borat. I mean, if you, if, if you know Borat, you know what you're getting into. Yeah, the whole, the whole thing is political satire. I mean, within the first five minutes, they recap him taking a shit at Trump Tower like yes near the fountain so it's it's pretty great um, i was i was dying i thought it was great i love the whole thing uh there were I, so, I so many wonderful there cringe was, moments there were yeah cringe moments watching through the eye watching my watching like the almost like i'm watching a horror movie you now i had my eyes hidden by my hand just like peeking through just some of the cringe moments like the dance during the debutante, the debutante ball. yes yeah it was great oh, that was good <laughs> love- um I love when he caught the dad and he's like, how much is my daughter worth? How much do you think my daughter worth? And he's like, $500. And the, and the guy's daughter was like, dad, that's fucking disgusting. That's disgusting. Oh, and Borat in quarantine was great. Borat in quarantine was fantastic. Um, you know, I, I definitely, with the, the group I was watching it with, there were a lot of naysayers about the, you know, the, I'm not going to use disparaging terms here. The, uh, the, Slightly less conspiratory, uh, I'm sorry, the slightly less educated, overly conspiratory gentleman of Southern persuasion uh, that that he was staying with. Okay, um, so the movie tells you that they're QAnon, so. Oh, well, there we are then. What, those guys were QAnon? I mean, I know that, I I know mean, that they, they looked, I know they looked into the theories, but they, were, they were looking into it, like. But it's the easiest way to describe that in, that that interaction is it's there are a couple of QAnon like that, maybe they're not full subscribers to it, but they they definitely talk about QAnon theories. That's no, and you're absolutely right, and that's fair. Um, but yeah, so for all of the negative aspects of of what it is these guys you know portray, represent, whatever you want to call it, um, one thing that I found to be really salient, uh, and granted, it was probably because the cameras were there, and of course they were present, so they probably thought they were getting filmed on a reality show, but they literally had a foreigner just like approach them that they didn't recognize with a very thick accent or what they perceived to be a foreigner rather. Um, 
you know, and tell them, hey, like, I want to come, I, I have no place to go, I want to come stay at your house. And he, like, lived with them for the better part of, like, a week or two. And just, like, yeah. did quarantine with them and hung out with them and just talked crap. And, like, they were not mean to him. They didn't make fun of him. They did not pull pranks on him. Like, they absolutely he, thought he was weird, and you could tell, because he did Borat things. Oh, yeah. And and granted, this is Sasha Baron Cohen, so, of course, he's going to do the, the best he can to be the most obnoxious human being on the planet. And they did not like lash out at him they did like they were just nothing but patient which is incredible and they bought his 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 story hook line and sinker like all of it it was so good and they helped him yeah they helped him and and he wrote a song oh man yeah that if that's not america if that doesn't give you faith in this country again yeah right but uh (laughs) they they bought his story about uh if he didn't find his daughter that and and deliver her that he was going to get sent back to Kazakhstan and be tied to two cows who were going to have turnips shoved up their asses and they were going to rip them apart. And they bought it and they presented that story as a, as a means of trying to convince her to like come back with them. That was amazing. I mean, yeah. And she's like, okay, I'll do it. And they meet. I mean, and, and okay. So this scene's been talked about that I was going to lead this into because I mean, we're bouncing around them a bit. Um, but the, the scenes with Rudy were... <laughs> Oh yeah. Creep. Well, the larger video came out recently. Oh, did it? I think there was like a. I think I, I saw on my on my newsfeed on my phone um, that the longer video came out and like he. I guess he like persisted. Like I'll he persisted to. in trying to like get her number and like fondle her. I'm not sure. I got to double check on that. But like the, the my, it, it, the notification hit my phone today. Like the day okay. the day of recording as we do it now for for our listeners. Like today, that notification hit my phone that like there's a longer video that is out. And and he like persisted in asking for her number and like kept touching her, uh, and the reason the I reason mean, he popped out was so that things didn't get like any weirder. Doesn't surprise me because it do, it's not very characteristic for him to pop out in a scene of his movie like that when it's supposed to be set up the way it is. But I, I think mean, he wasn't character. Oh, of course he was. Um, I do think that it's creepy. It was a creepy scene. I think that him showing up at CPAC was hilarious. Well, that was great, especially when uh, you consider and and we'd seen it the you know for the for the past year or so. Um, there were uh, several news stories and articles about Sasha Baron Cohen just showing up in places in costume, like doing things, you know. And people were asking him like, "What it's for? Is it like for is it for this? Is it for that? Is it a political stunt?" And he did not divulge at all. Like he's just like, "Nope, no. I'm just here. I'm just being funny. I'm just being me." I think it, I, the Trump been, costume was so good. It was so good, Mike. I have her. Watching, <laughs> watching, watching, watching Mike Pence's reaction was the best. Like I think that's the most emotion I've ever seen on that man's face. I mean, yeah. I mean, there was a fly on his head, and we saw no emotion. I mean, he obviously didn't know it was stuck there with with the crazy amounts of gel, mind you. Again, we are in a political show, and uh, when yeah, we are, when we are yeah, that's a meme. When, so it's fair when, game when we're. When we're in private conversation, trust us, we make fun of everybody on no matter what side of the political aisle you're on. So if you're if you're if you're red or blue and you're gonna get your panties in a bunch, this probably isn't the show for you, even though again, we are apolitical. And again, it's also we're talking about Borat. So if you haven't seen a Borat movie, believe me, you you might want to go check them out before you listen to us because it exclusively does talk about one political side. Indeed. Yeah, it was definitely uh you you could definitely say that this was a an unofficial uh political campaign uh for for voting stuff. 
I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean, he definitely, he timed it. He did it out the election. It's timely that it came out two weeks before to give everybody time to, who wanted to watch it, time to watch it, to see. Um, I mean, the last word before the credits is vote. It is now vote. So, like, pretty sure, pretty sure that has something to do with this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> anyway, I enjoyed it. It was a good movie. I laughed a lot. Uh, interesting point to get off of the politics of it. Um, the, uh, there was one scene where he went into the synagogue, uh, okay, dressed yes. as an old, like world war one circa world war one, world war two caricature of, uh, of a Jewish person. And yep. there were two old ladies who were there who were both Holocaust survivors. Um, and he was in character, but like, and he does not mind you, this, the scene is offensive. Uh, that that's what he does. And Sasha Baron Cohen himself, for those of you who don't know, is Jewish. So before anyone yes. goes nuts, like he's Jewish. Um, yeah. Some background on but, him is he is Jewish. He the purpose of this scene actually was to educate. Like this scene was purposely in the movie. He's on record talking. But it is in there to educate those the dumbasses on Facebook who believe everything they see that the Holocaust was indeed real. Uh, yeah. And uh, while while I am not Jewish, uh, I have. Uh, I, I, for if, if there's anyone listening who who doubts, which I mean, mind you, if you're if you're one of those uh, Holocaust revisionists, um, I mean, I don't know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn you away, but uh, don't I don't approve of your perspectives in life, and that's just me personally. That's not the show. Uh, sorry, not sorry. Uh, I, I mean, totally I wrote right. Uh, you know, for while while I am not Jewish, uh, definitely went to a Holocaust memorial multiple times uh, in in Florida uh, where I live when I was a kid. Uh, my mother educated me on it. Uh, she herself came from Cuba, so she understands um, oppression quite a bit. Uh, and I wrote my thesis for my degree, uh, specifically on the Holocaust. Uh, if, I'm not going to discuss the particular topic of the thesis, but uh, yeah, I had to go through a lot of primary source documents involving not nice things that were done to people. Uh, yeah, yep. it's it, it's a it's a real thing, totally a real thing. So yeah, yes, it uh, is. But yeah. Back into Borat, though. Uh, so before before this gets too heavy in tone, but yeah, he uh, yeah, because I was gonna, I, I, I have things I could say. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Sorry. So he doesn't oh, break character during the scene, but he did break character actually before they filmed it. Yeah, um, he doesn't break character as a, as a means of his own personal stuff, which for obvious reasons because he likes to spoof people. But yeah, he he broke character to go in there and talk to these two Holocaust survivors to let them know that he was doing a satirization. Uh, and, and that this was the caricature he was going to be portraying. Uh, and he did that and, you know, so that they wouldn't lose their damn minds for obvious reasons. Um, but then even afterwards, uh, you told me actually that the, there was an interview uh, afterwards and some bonus features. Uh, yeah, and, and if so, you watch uh, you know, the x-ray sorry um sorry, I don't mean no, go ahead, no i, I yeah. wanted you to elaborate because i didn't yeah, watch if it if you're watching the um if you're actually watching it on prime which you are obviously um if you use x-ray during that scene there's actually an interview with her talking and telling her story and telling that to the world because he wanted her to and he wanted to put that out there like i said to educate people that this atrocious event happened yeah um and unfortunately you know, a result of that was, uh, you know, she she passed sometime after the the filming was done. Um, yes, it actually and, has a dedication to her at the end. Yeah, and the the uh, and this to me is this, uh, you know, I again, it's not my culture, uh, so I can't speak to it on that cultural level. Um, you know, for people who are offended by it, you know, I, I I'm 
whatever. I'm, again, it's not my culture, so I'm not going to have a commentary on whether or not it's offensive personally to you or anybody else. Um, but to me, it seemed unconscionable that he informed them, he briefed them before he did it. Uh, they were willing to do it. They had they sat down after the fact and had an interview about it. And then the family had the fucking audacity to sue Sasha Baron Cohen for that scene. Like, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Oh, no, I understand. I don't either because of the way it's presented. And, I mean, I'll be fair. It is my culture. Um, for those of you... I didn't want to out you, but yeah. It's, it's fine. It is my culture. It's what I grew up with. I grew up around Holocaust survivors. I know the stories. I've heard it. But for her family to go out there and try to sue him over that for, for something that she's like, oh, it's a, that they think it's in bad taste when... He was nothing, even as Borat was nothing but kind in character to them. Yes, he was an offensive caricature, but he still, he didn't do anything outrageous with them. He was just kind. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think it's pretty unconscionable that, you know, that, that they would go so far as to sue him. And again, for what, what was, you know, elaborated after the fact as like, hey, this was an educational moment. The purpose of this was to tell the story of survivors it was to inform people about the holocaust because unfortunately also like and this happens as you know i say this as a historian you know and uh, get, getting into heavier topics again to and sorry to remove the levity from the show but like it seems the further we get away from history you know the more we we think of it as like fantasy um you know and and you and i pre-recording we're talking about things like renaissance festivals you know um right you know and 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 so one of the uh, I'm, I'm an now avid, that is fantasy to us Right, and I'm an avid attendee of Renaissance festivals, you know. Um, but there's a a gentleman, um, and I'll plug him right now, just because if if that's okay with you. Um, his his name is Arthur Greenleaf Holmes. That's his character name. Uh, you know. Uh, and he is a hilarious performer. Look him up online if you like. He's he's a he's an inappropriate poet. So not safe for work, not safe for kids. There's your warning. He travels he to the show where I'm at, doesn't he? I'm sure he does. And if I, sure I would be. Who I would I would be ecstatic to see him if I do make it out there. That would be amazing. I'm, like I, I would love to run into him at, at Houston because, of course, I'm expecting to see him down here as well because I see him every year. Um, right. But, uh, I enjoy the Dead Bob show too. Just to throw that out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, not, I, I have a tangent about him, but I'm not going to go off on it right now. But either way, he um, he has a great comment where we all love to romanticize the Renaissance and we love to embrace the fantasy of the Renaissance and everything that it embodies and everything that culturally came of the Renaissance. Mind you, for those of you who are not historically literate, the Renaissance was not like a 10 year thing that was just filled with like art and education and beauty. The Renaissance was like a four or 500 year period, depending on where you started between the medieval and the, and, and, you know, into what we would call the early modern into, you know, the age of enlightenment. So yeah, several hundred it. years. Yeah, it was a couple of centuries that was the Renaissance age. That's why they call it the Renaissance era, because it's an era exactly. in so, time. To, to grant a little bit of context for that, uh, you know, we, again, we're a nerd show, so I'll, I'll use Ninja Turtles for, for those of you who, who need that kind, of, uh, that kind of reference to get it. Um, Ninja Turtles, of course, are named after uh, four Renaissance masters. Um, the difference... Between the difference in time span between the time that Donatello lived and the time that Raphael lived is 400 fucking years. So, food for thought. Uh, so, but he, he says, we love to romanticize and fantasize the Renaissance until the toilets break at the, at the venue. And then we realize that we're living in it while we're waiting through shit. And yep. we have to go shit in like a really hot box somewhere in the middle of a field. And it's like, oh yeah, the Renaissance wasn't like all that great. It was filled with like plague and suffering and, you know, 
lack of medicine and no iPhones and you know all of those things. Like so there was no Spotify the in the thing, Renaissance period. The only thing that didn't sound like 2020 in that was the iPhone. Right. Exactly. Oh my god. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just just food for thought. We we we. But the further we become detached from history, getting back to the main point and circling around, you know, the more it seems like fantasy to us. We like to think that, you know. The atrocities of the world didn't happen because we've never witnessed them and we've never seen the evidence of them. Um, but, you know, one of uh, Hitler's justifications or his personal justifications uh, for plotting the Holocaust as he did was somebody brought up as a counterargument to him, you know, the Armenian genocide, which uh, happened in Turkey at the end of World War One. Uh, in which all of the, well, not all of them, because there are scattered numbers, but a lot of the Armenians were slaughtered uh, completely. And when they brought that up as a counterargument, Hitler said, nobody remembers the Armenians and nobody will remember the Jews. Like that, that was his personal justification, you know? And so again, we, we, and it, it, again, even then they understood the further you remove yourself from history as, as a means of a time span. And mind you, World War II was less than 30 years between the end of World War One and the start of World War Two. Yeah, it's been longer time now than the... uh, There has been more time between current era and World War II than there was between World War II and World War I. 100%, absolutely. World War I ended in 1918, and World War II, depending on who you're talking to and when it started, it started either in 1937 or in 1942 at the invasion of Poland. But this isn't a history podcast, and I'm not going to split those hairs with anybody right now. But take that as you will. Or if you're American after Pearl Harbor, and that's all you care about. Right, exactly. You know, um, yeah, it, it, and and again, they they understood even at the time that people were not going to remember something from twenty years prior because I mean that's that's essentially a generation, you know. And so uh, again, we we remove ourselves from the reality of history, the reality of context, you know, and and that's that's kind of what ends up happening as a result. Um, but you know, in in getting to this point, I think it's a good time to really get into something else. And this is this is a heavy topic, and this this portion was was definitely in the planning. Um, so more recently, Corey and I have noticed a an uptick, um, in specifically in the gaming community. So as, as this is a nerd podcast, and we are all nerds, whether it's D and D or comics or whatever, you know, um, a big uptick in I don't want to say cruelty. Cruelty is not necessarily the word for it. Um, but there's a big uptick in insensitivity. You know, I remember growing up in the time when being a comic book nerd was something that you got your face beat in for. And it's not for any particular reason. It's just because, you know, for, you know, because for, for whatever insecurities people have, whether you think it's claiming to infantilism or, you know, not liking sports as opposed to something else, but whatever your hobbies are your hobby. And of course we recognize that, but like we're old enough to come from the generation. And I, I hate saying this because we're not old. We're, we're really not in the grand scheme of things at all. Um, right. We're old enough to come from the generation where if you were an avid gamer, if you were a comic book nerd, if you play D and D, if you're part of this community, you are part of a community of outcasts. And I'm finding both of us are finding that there's a really big uptick in insensitivity towards a number of people who are part of our community as avid contributors for other reasons that have, that are are just as inconsequential as the reasons that we suffered for, for liking these things because D and D has become much more mainstream comic books with the advent of Marvel movies and the, the popularity of DC movies and, and the growing generations, you know, all of these things have become more popularized. And so it's no, there's no longer a stigma tied to it. But we're finding that with the influx of of people coming in, you know, who are more open 
um, you know, and attempting to be openly included in the community, even though they've always been part of our community. Um, you know, whether it's homosexual people or transgender people, you know, um, people of color, you know, there's this pushback and it's recently that I, and I've, I, it's not, this isn't part of a political agenda. This isn't something that I've noticed because I read articles. This is shit that I notice fucking playing Xbox. And I listen to this shit that people say, I listen to this shit in D and D discord chat rooms. And I listen to this kind of shit when I sit down at a table for D and D and I hear a DM or a character, you know, or, or a player rather make, you know, assertions or make, you know, making comments that are either racist or xenophobic or homophobic or transphobic or, or whatever. Like, and, and I just don't understand because not so long ago, all of us just for liking shit that we like were considered outcasts. And so you can only try to understand the suffering of people who are part of our community who are outcasts, who are old enough to have been outcasts for that at least, who are outcasts not only for their interest in hobbies or art or whatever, but also for their orientation or for their identity or whatever, which, and I'm sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a little shade. If you can dress in a fucking cat costume and go to a convention and tell people you're a cat and meow at random shit, then you can have the maturity to leave a transgender person or a homosexual person or a person of color the fuck alone for being part of the community. Like it's not hard to be kind. Really, because it wasn't that long ago you were in their shoes. And I don't know, uh, you know, there's no one particular that comes to mind. Again, this is really just part of what has been coming into my feed that I see. There's there's no reason for the vitriol. Uh, you're, you're not any better for being part of an outcast community and then creating another, an other of other people who are considered outcasts. That doesn't make any sense. Like, don't be a dick. No, and those are the incredible words of Will his thing in the life is that well, number one will the internet be a dick, and it really sucks that we have to sit here and you know that we're actually bringing attention to this is really shitty. Gaming should be inclusive. Gaming should be about roasting each other for sucking at a game, not who you are, the color of your skin, who or what you identify as, who you love, who you, or don't love. You know, it shouldn't matter. We're gamers, and the, I mean, you made. I really don't have much else to add on to to what you said on that because it's true. You know, we at one time or another we've all been pushed into a locker or or made fun of for liking a certain game. And even more recently, you're maybe getting made fun of for liking certain games by people that are doing it for a militia, for a reason other than being a dick. Um, and it's unfortunate. And, and Gaming should be inclusive, and I'd rather roast you over your Smash Bros play than roast you for who you are because roasting you for who you are. It accomplishes nothing. Absolutely, especially when you don't know people. And the the what the worst part about all of this is that it's, it's the not anonymity. It's the internet and an anonymity. Actually, specific words for the yeah anonymity. The internet asshole anonymity scale. So the more anonymous you are, the more of a dick you will feel you can be. And that's the unfortunate part of the age we're in. Us sitting here talking about you know we're really not that old and not to put an exact age, but both of us are in our early-ish 30s and it's, it's early 30s there's no ish to it it's early 30s <laughs> <laughs> don't don't make me sound like i'm that i'm that kind of an old man but again i'm just trying not to date us by anything on that or oh whatever but you 30s. know what, what, what kills me but the most it, it, is that this this isn't the typical 12 year old dickhead who's like i fucked your mom like no this exactly. isn't this isn't that these these are adults these are these are like adult adults these are people in their late 20s early 30s you know 
like, and that's the part that killed me. I wouldn't be saying this shit. I would not have gone on a diatribe, you know, if this was children, because children are children. And I'm sorry if you have children. I'm sure you're a good parent, but children are fucking stupid. Like, and children are immature. They have to be taught. So, like, yeah, kids are kids, but these aren't kids. These are adults, you know, and that's a part that really kills me about all of this. These are adults, and these are the same adults and, and that I, I hear and, and I read on, on social media and on Reddit and all over the damn place. These are the same adults that have pushback about including a homosexual character in a video game or a person of color in a video game. And they're like, well, why do I have to do that? And I'm like, well, I mean, hell, up until this point, all the video game characters that, you know, that, that are iconic have been, you know, well, I can't up to this point, up until recently, all the video game characters that have been iconic have been Japanese, white, Italian, if you're counting Mario, you know, or, or fucking Link, or fucking Link, you know, like, I mean, for Christ's sake, blonde hair, blue eyed, even though it's a Japanese game, you know, I understand the, the appeal to the Western audience, but like my point here being, you know, up until this point, like, it's just been a bunch of white characters. And, and yeah, like, great. Samus made great strides in being a female. But there was even pushback for that when they finally did the reveal. Oh, Samus was a girl. I thought it was a dude the whole time. Well, yeah. What does yeah. that say about your bias? Right. You know? And, and, and so I don't, I don't see the point of the pushback. I, it doesn't make any sense. Like, life, life is complex. Life is vivid. Life is a big web of different shit. And, and it, it exists in greater complexity and variety than the fucking bubble you live in. Well said. I think it's kind of my end of rant on that one. I don't, I don't, I mean, you know, no, like, absolutely, man. I mean, no, you fuck. Those are my, but those are my thoughts. Exactly. It's, and it boils down to the ultimate, to what you said just in the beginning of it. It's don't, don't be a dick. It's not hard to go online. And if you, you know, it's the old adage, you know, my, your, my mom taught me, I'm sure your mother taught you just like every mother should be teaching their children. If you don't have anything nice to say to someone, don't say anything to them. Yeah. It's not so hard it to be polite. You can keep your bias and your views and whatever. You can have those. But you don't have to be a dick to other people with it. If you don't have something nice to say to someone who happens to be uh, homosexual, transgender, of color, you know, different from you in any way, shape, or form, don't say it. It is not that fucking hard. Not that hard to shut your fucking mouth. If you can wear a mask, you can learn how to not talk. Yeah, it, uh, it seems like it's a little known fact nowadays. It takes more energy to run your mouth and spit vitriol into the world than to just shut the fuck up. Like, it, 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 like really, if you're going to be that kind of player, whether it's, again, whether it's D&D, whether it's Comic-Con, whether it's freaking video games online, like, if you're going to be that kind of person, turn your fucking mic off. Like, it's, it, like, really, if you, got, if you need to spout vitriol in the world, spit it to your screen where nobody else has to hear it. Because, like, it really... It's, it's it, more than anything. And it's not, it's, it's, and it's, I can't say it's less about my, my predilections and, and how I feel about the world because it does have a lot to do with how I feel about the world in general. But even as a gamer, like, I don't give a shit. I don't, I, I'm sorry. Like, I don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck about your hate. I don't give a fuck about your ignorance. I just want to play the goddamn game. And you're just ruining my experience in the room whenever you spout fucking nonsense. Exactly. You know, there's there's a song about God. I'm gonna actually gonna plug in this. This is gonna make me old because I don't know. You probably know it. There's a song by They Might Be Giants that's called Your Racist Friend. It quite literally started. You know, it's it even says this is where the party ends. I can't sit here listening to you try to defend your racist friend. And it's that simple, guys. Don't be a dick. If someone's being a dick, call them out on it. Tell them that they're biased. I mean, gaming needs to be inclusive, and maybe telling someone they're being that way. Maybe that's a way. Maybe that's a way that they're going to listen and maybe understand, oh, wait, I crossed a line. It's doubtful, but it could happen. 
Good strategy too. Ask them to elaborate. That's always a fun one. Whenever I whenever I hear people make ignorant comments about any of these things, they're like, oh well, you know, they're this and they're that. And like, okay, how? Why? And 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 listen to the dumb shit they say. Take note of it. You know, it's it, it's it's really not that hard. Like, and and for for whatever it is they're saying, you know, a good rule of thumb, uh, and and it's it's a broad sweeping kind of implication kind of thing. But if uh if you say some dumb shit, replace the demographic, whatever it may be that you're talking about, with the word Jew, and then ask yourself if you sound like a Nazi. And if the answer is yes, you should probably shut the fuck up and rethink what you're saying and probably what you're thinking. Yeah, absolutely. So. I guess that's going to bring me to our final, which is also going to be kind of a heavy subject matter for a moment. Our final topic is this episode will be up, um, and hopefully y'all will listen to it at the end of the week when it comes up this weekend. Big event happening on the 3rd of November. Yeah, go fucking vote. Yeah, if you haven't already, and if you're listening to this before the election, I don't care who you vote for. We don't. We don't care who you vote for. Red, blue, green, gold, anyone. But exercise your rights. Vote. Let your voice be heard. Yeah. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, you know, and again, I, I we know how he leans. This isn't about how he leans. It's not about how any of us lean. I don't but give a vote, shit. Motherfuckers. Um, it says go vote because guess what? If, if And, you know, for everyone who's like, oh, my vote doesn't count. You know, if a thousand people think that way, that's a thousand votes lost. And if your vote didn't fucking count, they wouldn't be trying so hard to influence it. And they, if wouldn't, you- they wouldn't spend billions and billions of dollars on election campaigns to influence it. And again, I don't give a shit how you vote. I mean, like, as no. far as my personal stuff, I kind of care. But that's that's on a personal level. Yeah, on, and that's something we can talk about a, another time off air. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, but as far as the show is concerned, like, I don't, we don't give a fuck how our vote, how our listeners vote. No. Like, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. Your like, political just, views are your own. We, we right, don't. You have the right to exercise your voice. Just go fucking vote. Like, like please, yeah. please, please, please go don't fucking vote. Like, and yeah. on top of that, know what the fuck you're voting for. If you're voting red, great, fantastic. Go look up their policies. If you're voting blue, fantastic. Go look up their policies. Same goes for freaking gold, green, purple, silver, fucking whatever. I don't care. Look up their policies. Know what the fuck you are voting for and go vote. Yep. Look, and we understand to a lot of people, your choices aren't great. We get it. I mean, that's just the cycle of American politics. But you need to exercise your right. Let your voice be heard because... If you if if you are listening and want something to change, voting will change it. If you are listening and want the status quo, voting will keep that for you. Exercise your rights. Go vote.